0: Centennial Covenant. I am happy to be with you this morning and uh, I wanted to just remind you in case you were not here last week that Carl started our new, launched our new sermon series on the abundant life. So if you were not here, I just wanted to I just wanted to remind you as to what we will be doing while Carl is gone. So the sermon series is based on John ten ten, where Jesus said, I have come to give you life and to give it to the full. Uh, some translations of the Bible have that I've come to give you life and to give you abundant life. Carl also talked about how another good word for that would be to flourish. And so over the next few weeks, while Carl is on his sabbatical, different preachers will be coming. And they will each pick an aspect of the abundant life to preach on. And so today as we start our sermon, uh, you can see from my title that I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit and how you cannot have the abundant life without the presence and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So let me begin with the 90s, a story about the 90s. This is my story of the 90s. In 1991, as I graduated from high school, I then moved from Brazil which had been my whole life, and came to the United States as an American citizen, as a missionary kid, but really as a foreigner and a stranger. And I decided to go to my dad's alma mater, Biola University, go Eagles. So when I moved to LA, you can imagine that my learning curve was pretty steep. It was very terrifying to be so young in such an enormous city. And even though I spoke English, looked American, I was clearly not from around there. And one of the things I had to figure out was how to drive. In Brazil, you can vote at age 16, but you can't drive until you're 18. And so I didn't learn how to drive until I was a freshman my fall semester at, at Biola University. And so I made sure that I stayed close to Biola. I knew how to get to my job. I knew how to get to the grocery store. I knew how to get to the gas station. And I knew how to get to the movie theater. And best of all, I knew how to get to Disneyland. Because that was only about 15 minutes away from Biola. But other than that, I didn't know much about the L.A. area. I had not ventured out because it was too terrifying to try to figure out L.A. all by myself. So my world, you see, had become so small. It had become manageable, manageable for what I knew I needed. But on a fateful day in the spring semester, my brother convinced me to leave the safety of my little world around Biola University and to go north to a whole different part of Los Angeles. And he said some terrifying words. He said, Rebecca, all you need to do is just follow me. Just stay right with me. So he was gonna go in one car and I'm supposed to follow him in my car. I knew that if I lost sight of him, I was toast. So indeed, courageously, as I'm holding on my 10 and 2 through the freeway system, we finally get to the soccer game. It started late. It went late. All of a sudden, it's nighttime. Now we're going out for dinner. It was a lovely time, but I had no way of figuring out how to get home. But my brother assured me, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Just go down this way, turn that way, get that and you'll be on the freeway and all you need to do is get to I-5 and then you're fine. About 20 minutes later, I was not fine. I was not fine at all. I was horribly lost at about 10.30 at night. And I don't know if you had a mom like mine, but my mom always said nothing good happens after 10 o'clock at night. So I was very, very afraid. I had to finally take the courage to get out of my car and go ask for help. So this is before, this was way before phones, we're talking 1992 people, before phones, cell phones, before map apps, and so I pulled into a gas station and looked for one of these. A map. Now, for those of you who have never, ever had the pleasure of a map, a map is wonderful. It's no app. It's no Google Maps. But it is helpful. But at 1030 at night in a part of LA that I had never been to before, I did not even know where I was on the map. I had no sense, no guidance, no no point of reference. And so I placed all of my trust on a stranger. And I went up to the counter at the gas station and I said, can you tell me where I am? And he then showed me where I was on the map. I then found I-5. And I knew that if I could get to I-5, then off of I-5 was back to my comfortable, small world. I eventually made it. I got in, I rolled in to Biola about 11.30 at night. I sat in my car for about 10 minutes just to get my heart rate down. And I uh, I, I was trying to recover from the amazing risk. That I took, but I also felt very proud and pleased with myself that I had finally left the small confines of my manageable little world and I had spent the evening with my beloved sibling and I got to enter into his world. You know where I'm going with this map guidance, direction. We all need help navigating through life. We all need it. We need help. And so here's the main point of my sermon. I'm just going to put it way up front so you don't have to wonder if there's going to be suspense at the end. Here's my point. In order to experience the abundant life which Jesus promised, we need to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is beyond a map. A map is static. It's just information. But how to get, how to get from conversion to eternity, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Now, because our sermon series is based on John 10.10, 10, I wanted to see what did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of John? What did Jesus say? Now, I have a list here of things, and if you, if, if you find that you would like to capture this, feel free to email me, contact me, and I'd be happy to send this to you. I I just want to remind you of what you know is already true. First thing that we see in, in John chapter 14 is that the Holy Spirit is a gift. He's a gift from the Son through the Father. So Jesus told the disciples, I will give you, I will give you this gift. And not only will I give you this gift, the Holy Spirit will be with you and in you. That's part of the promise. You see, because this gift is going to be an advocate for you. Now, I just want to pause for a second on the word advocate. Some translations have the word comforter. Other translations have the word counselor. But it really doesn't capture the understanding that advocate does. An advocate is someone who stands on behalf, who promotes the well-being and justice of the person who is underrepresented. And so the Holy Spirit is the person who represents you to the Father, but also the person who speaks on your behalf in the life that you are living in this world, And Jesus knew they would need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He knew that we would need the guidance of the Holy Spirit in order to navigate through this difficult world. And one of the parts of being our advocate is it is his job to convict us of our sin and to dispel any sort of false sense of self-righteousness. This is really important. He's here to convict us of our sin, not to shame us for our sin. Shame destroys you. Conviction moves you to become a better you. And so he guides us into the truth of who Christ is and into the truth of who we are in Christ, both now and in the future. So we need the Holy Spirit and Jesus is the one who gave us the Holy Spirit. Now, when does this begin? When does this journey with the Holy Spirit begins? Well, it begins when you say yes to Jesus. Begins when you say yes to Jesus and it ends until Christ returns or you pass away. And Paul used this expression in Galatians 5. He says, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm a short person. And when I walk alongside tall people, I have to adjust my step. My little five foot two steps are no match for someone who's six foot two. And so I find myself having to walk a little bit faster to stay on track with the person who's walking quite slowly, but they have a really long set of legs. This is the understanding that I have from staying in step, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. And we, we have... We have a destination, and our destination is not salvation. That's the beginning. That's the beginning. That's that's what's already been guaranteed at the moment that we say, yes, our destination is not a place. Our destination is Christ-likeness. And we have an excellent example in Scripture of someone who took this gift that Christ freely gives— And then lived it out day by day in the miraculous and in the mundane. And so I just want to take a couple minutes to talk about Paul's life. Now, I don't know if you've been following along in our Galatians study with Craig Blomberg, but uh, you can read in Galatians 5 a whole lot about what it means to live a life with the Holy Spirit. And this writing from Galatians stems from his early missionary journeys. So I want to just talk about four moments that we really see Paul interacting with the Holy Spirit. And the first moment is at the moment of conversion, when Ananias prays for Saul, who's also Paul to be filled with the Spirit. And sure enough, he's no longer blind, and now he's filled with the Spirit. And the evidence of that is he begins to preach the gospel. Soon he needs to leave Damascus and is able to leave in a miraculous way. The second moment I want to highlight, although there's many more moments, the second moment I want to highlight is Paul's call Now, the Holy Spirit in Acts 13 called, set aside Paul and Barnabas to become missionaries to the Gentiles. Now, we know the rest of the story. So it seems like Paul and Barnabas were really clear on their call. But all they had was a call to go. They had a sending off. And it was through their day by day journeying with the Holy Spirit that they figured out that their call, their ministry, though they always started with their own people, the Jews, it quickly, quickly moved to the Gentiles, all those who were non-Jews. And then there's this moment, and I've preached a sermon on this moment already, where in Acts 16, there's a prohibition where the Holy Spirit said, no. No. And I've learned a ton from this moment because it's important for us to understand that the Holy Spirit says yes and then the Holy Spirit says no. But what's amazing about this moment where he says no, where the Holy Spirit prohibits, is that it doesn't make sense. Not human sense, not even missional sense. Paul was about to enter into a new territory to share the gospel of Christ in an area that had not heard yet. And the Holy Spirit said no. This then altered their course and they ended up entering into Europe. So sometimes the Holy Spirit says no and it doesn't make sense. The last moment I want to talk about is controversy. Paul had a ton of controversy to deal with. And he follows the Holy Spirit's leading against a very powerful and strong voice of reasonableness, a strong voice of this is how it's always been, and so therefore this is how it should still be. And Paul has to defend and lead in a moment where the voices were in conflict, where the popular vote was not on his side. And so he engages the leading of the Holy Spirit and steps into this controversy. So as I study Paul's life, as I look at the passages from Jesus about the role of the Holy Spirit and and. And as I look at my own, uh, there are three pieces of practical advice that I would like to share with you. Um, I'm going to take a moment and just let you know that for the rest of this sermon, it's really going to be more of a testimonial. I want to give a witness, personal witness, for the role that the Holy Spirit has played Plays and will continue to play in my life. So this is going to get personal. And I don't want that to distract from how the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding in your life. But sometimes it's really hard to get something that seems so theoretical and, and then understand it in a practical way. And, and I really want us to celebrate the abundant life through the Holy Spirit. So there are three three things that I would like to talk about. And these are not step-by-step instructions, but these are certainly three things that I have learned from my own life. Now, as we look at what I have here, to listen, don't assume, and to take the step, I want to talk to you for just a second about how this takes a whole lot of guts to do. And I hope that you will see this through my witness, through my testimony. And I also want to tell you that if you, if you follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, that is the greatest antidote to spiritual boredom. So here we go. I want to talk first about Listening. The reason why I wanted to talk about listening is because I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not a good listener. I'm an introvert who, as you're talking to me, I am trying to process as quickly as I can in order to respond appropriately to you and not be awkward about it. And so my brain just goes into overdrive. So for me, listening is really, really difficult. But in order to listen, I have learned, especially when I am in a difficult situation where I don't know what to say, I need a lot of silence in order to listen to the Holy Spirit. So my question for you is, have you cultivated silence in your life? If you find that your mind is never still, that your environment is never quiet, how do you expect to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit? I've also had to learn how to listen while others are talking. I mean, listening to the Holy Spirit One of the things that I really struggled with as a new high school teacher was that I would get students who would really want to have my opinion. And what an honor to have my opinion about something that they are going through. And I don't know if you know this, but teenagers really struggle and need a lot of wisdom. But I never knew what to say. And I always felt like my colleagues were so much more wise than I was. And because I already struggle with listening and knowing how to respond, now I'm supposed to give you really valuable advice? That was so intimidating to me. And so a friend of mine, who is a spiritual director, she said, why don't you invite the Holy Spirit to listen with you? And then you listen to the Holy Spirit as you're listening to your student." Yeah, it was confusing for me, too. There's a lot going on right there. But that has turned things around for me. Now I no longer feel this burden that I have to dig deep and find some gold nugget of wisdom that's going to totally transform their life. But instead, as I'm present with them, silent, not worrying about my own opinions as I am present with them and listening to them, and I invite the Holy Spirit to, to listen with me and to speak through me. It has changed everything. My anxiety has lowered. I truly do believe that my effectiveness has increased because I'm, I'm not trying to promote my own thoughts And so as I've interacted with students, I have seen the power of listening to the Holy Spirit just in everyday conversations. Wouldn't that transform the world? If instead of in conversations, I thought through my clever thing that I was going to say back to you, but instead I said what the Holy Spirit led me to say, wouldn't the conversation in our nation change? Silence patience. It takes a lot of patience to listen, and then it takes a lot of courage to say what needs to be said. And so I just want to highlight for a moment an opportunity to courageously listen. And as have already been mentioned this morning, there is a journal, a summer journal, and if and that Uh, David has already quoted from, powerful quote on worship. That's just one part of it. And I don't know if you've gone through it yet. You can download it off, off the website, but also it's being sent to you. I recommend that you practice listening to the Holy Spirit through this journaling activity. What is the Holy Spirit wanting to say to you It will make a difference in how you move forward if you start to listen. Now, don't assume. That's my second piece of practical advice. Don't assume you know the direction the Holy Spirit's going to take. Remember, he's the one who's guiding you. You're just trying to stick with him he's not a static map. And I'll be honest with you, growing up of all the persons of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit was to me the most complicated. The, the father, ah, warmth. I, I was raised by a good father. So to see God as father, as the one who loves and who has a plan of salvation and desires to spend eternity with us. I, I could understand the father, Jesus. Ah, ah, Jesus, the one who sacrificed our good friend, our, 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 our savior, our redeemer, I could get behind Jesus. But the Holy Spirit was the tricky one. Because I don't know about you, I always felt like the Holy Spirit was the awkward family member invited to the family reunion. And we all hope that he behaves himself. The Holy Spirit feels uncontrollable. He feels wild. And and, and for good reason. I mean, just think Pentecost. We still can't really explain what happened on that day. The, The people who saw what happened at Pentecost thought the disciples were drunk. So yeah, he's kind of a wild card. But when the Holy Spirit doesn't behave himself, that's when the world is changed. So I just want to let you know that he will take an unexpected path. He might call you and guide you into something that just doesn't make sense to you. When I graduated from college, I spent two years just... Honestly, working enough so that I could then travel. It was a time of tremendous insecurity. My family looked at me and said, when are you going to do something? Come on, get a good job. Let's go. And that's normal, right? Um, But I really, as a missionary kid, felt this tension. Do I have a missionary call on my life? This is really normal for missionary kids to feel this tension because the missionary life is home. It's what they know best. And so I was conflicted and did not know if I had a missionary call. And so I took a year and moved to Spain. I raised support, moved to Spain, lived with missionaries in Spain, grew a ton in in Spain and Wow, um, nothing, nothing like moving to another culture to remind you that you don't have a clue. And so that was a time of tremendous growth. But as my year ended, and I loved living in Spain, as my year ended, my prayers became less about should I be a missionary, and became more about can I please live in Spain? Spain would be great. I have all these connections because I already spoke Portuguese. I learned Spanish really, really quickly. And I really wanted to live in Spain. Have you been there? It's amazing. So I wanted to live in Spain, not for the missionary reasons, just I really like, Lord, if you could call me to Spain. And you know where the Lord called me to? Through a phone call from my parents, my parents said, hey, we're moving out of Chicago and we're moving to Colorado, completely unexpected. What do you want us to do with your things? And so I took the moment, it took a time, actually, a couple of weeks, and I fasted and prayed and asked for direction. Should I move with my parents? Should I re- return to Chicago? Did I have a missionary call? What was next? I had no idea. My year was nearly at an end. It made sense because I spoke the language. I got along in the culture so quickly. I made so many connections. And I don't know if you know about Spanish people. But they're not always the easiest people to get to know. They're not warm like South Americans. They are very European. And so I was like, I'm killing it here. Why am I not just staying here? This makes the most sense. And like the Holy Spirit said to Paul, the Holy Spirit said, no, to me. Now I did not receive any clarity. I had no idea why I was going back to Colorado. I had nothing to look forward to. It was unexpected, out of the blue, but my goodness, it was the right thing to do. You see, he doesn't follow the rules and he certainly does not live up to your assumptions. But when you follow him, oh the place is go, And where he sent me was Colorado. you got to take the step. To keep in step with the Holy Spirit, you need to take the step. And then you need to take the next step and the next step and the next step. And that is faith. You don't always know where you're going. You don't know where it's going to take you. And it may take you into places that you could never imagine. If someone had told high school me, who was trying to figure out my major in college, that I would one day be a high school Bible teacher... I would have run for the hills. I would have totally pulled a Jonah. The Lord has led me here. Step by step through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. As he reminds me of who Jesus is and reminds me of who I am in Christ. So I want to end with this moment right here. I have followed the Holy Spirit all the way to this pulpit. In the denomination that I grew up in, this would never happen. This was not for me. You see, the Holy Spirit gives gifts, but not this gift and not to women. That's how I grew up, godly people. But on this On this, the Lord needed to take me on a journey. The Holy Spirit had to slowly but surely guide me. I could not have imagined that I would one day regularly teach God's word as my job and that one day I would regularly preach God's word as as my joy and privilege. So sometimes the Holy Spirit takes you to places that you are just not going to be comfortable with. It's so different than what you thought was the right way to go. But he will take you there, and if you follow him, you get exactly to the place you need to be. And so this moment, this morning, is a moment that testifies and gives witness to the powerful guidance and leading of the Holy Spirit. It led me beyond my childhood. It led me beyond my denominational views. It led me beyond my my theology to a place of abundance. I am living an abundant life. Because I took those steps. And I also U-turned when I was going the wrong way. So where has the Holy Spirit taken you? Where will the Holy Spirit take you next? I hope that one of these three pieces of advice, has encouraged you today. I hope that today you decide to practice and to embrace and to take action with the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus gave us this advocate for a reason. He is the one who is to guide us into truth. Let him guide you. Will you follow his lead? Now, you might have some apps, map apps on your phone. I have two. You might have a handy-dandy map. But these are not adequate for guiding our spiritual life. So, I want to check in with you a little bit and I want to ask you which voice is guiding you? Is it the world's voice? Is it the voice of your middle class values? Is it the voice of the theology of your childhood? Is it the voice of fear? The voice of rejection? Whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice are you stepping out into obedience? Is it the Holy Spirit's voice? So I I have a task for you. And this week, what I would like for you to do is spend some time in God's word and ask the Holy Spirit To convict you of the voices and to illuminate the voices that you've been listening to, or maybe you're just on the wrong map and you need to recalibrate. And then through the exercises of the journaling, listen, practice listening to the Holy Spirit. What does He have to say to you about you, about Jesus? About worship, about service, about taking action, about how to respond to the crisis that we're in. And my encouragement is that you will live a flourishing life in the Spirit. Will you bow with me? Lord Jesus. We're so thankful for your death and your resurrection. And because of your death and resurrection, you have called to live, called us to life and life to the full. And to make this possible, you have given us the Holy Spirit. Help us, Holy Spirit, to cultivate your voice in our life. Help us to understand that you are the way that we do not get lost, that yours is the direction we are to follow, even when it takes us into unexpected places. Maybe it even takes us into unexplainable places. Help us to trust and to grow and to follow with everything that we are. I thank you personally, Lord Jesus, for this opportunity to represent you through your word. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would do your work amongst us. And Father, we're so thankful for your great love. We love you. Amen.